Welcome to Conversations with Big Rich. This is an interview-style podcast. Those interviews are all involved in the off-road industry. Being involved, like all of my guests are, is a lifestyle, not just a job. I talk to competitive teams, racers, rock crawlers, business owners, employees, media, and private park owners, men and women who have found their way into this exciting and addictive lifestyle. We discuss their personal history, struggles, successes, and reboots. We dive into what drives them to stay active and off-road. We all hope to shed some light on how to find a path into this world we live and love and call off-road. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Have you seen Four Low Magazine yet? Four Low Magazine is a high-quality, well-written, four-wheel drive-focused magazine for the enthusiast market. If you still love the idea of a printed magazine, something to save and read at any time, Four Low is the magazine for you. Four Low cannot be found in stores, but you can have it delivered to your home or place of business. Visit fourlowmagazine.com to order your subscription today. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Nathan Riddle. Nathan is CrawlZone TV host and creator. He's also done some acting and an animator, and we are going to get into his life. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on board and uh, sharing your life with us. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. So let's get the, the first question out of the way. Where were you born and raised? Well, I was born and raised in Kanab, Utah, not too far from St. George. And uh, it's got the same beautiful red rocks as Moab and St. George and all the areas that we like to go wheeling. And that's kind of, that, that's where I grew up. And in the time, it was called Little Hollywood. Um, all the old westerns were filmed around that area. And so it was kind of a really fun place, eclectic place to grow up. Absolutely. And that makes sense now knowing that, you know, well, we'll just jump to, to crawl zone because that's where I know you from. And then we'll get back into the history. That's one of the guys that you work with on that is John Jacobs. And he's, I knew that he was from, well, he lives in Kanab now. And I would imagine that's where he's from as well. Yep. Absolutely. We, we grew up as buddies together. We've been friends since the fifth grade and so, yeah, that that really, I guess, is the initial catalyst, you know, being buddies and then all of a sudden seeing an opportunity to do something fun. It's kind of how things got started. Well, cool. So let's talk a little bit about Crawl Zone first. And then, I, like I said, then we'll get into your, your life and how you got to Crawl Zone. Crawl right. Zone is an internet-based TV show. Is that correct? That is right. Yeah. Yeah. Crawl Zone is... Uh, it's an off-road adventure show and, and it was kind of just as YouTube was starting there at the time, there were no such thing as big creators yet. And so, you know, my goal was to create a, a television show on the internet, not necessarily like a YouTube channel and which I would do things a lot differently today, the way YouTube goes. Well, that makes sense. Some of the stuff that, and the, the people that, have so many followers in off-road from YouTube are not necessarily creating, but just showing what other people have, have put up. Right, right. Right. But you guys created the show and, and, and what was the, what was the original concept behind it? Well, the original concept was we wanted to do a kind of a news magazine style show, um, like, like you might see on, on TV. And uh, one day, John Jacobs, he called me. He knew I was doing some film stuff. And he's like, hey, I've got an idea. And I'm like, well, everybody's got an idea. And we giggled for a minute. But he's like, no, hear me out. And he and Vic Bunnis had just started um, rock crawling. And I believe they had just started doing doing some way rock. And he's like, dude, this is awesome. We've got to do a show. And I'm like, okay. And we looked into it. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. 
And so we jumped in and started filming and, and took off from there. Do you remember what, what your first show was it at one of the events? Um, no, our, our very first episode was what, let's see, what was it back then? A crawl fest that has evolved into the winter four by four jamboree over the years now. But, um, but we went to that one and that's where we met some of our, some of our first, uh, uh, company partners. Uh, we had rebel off-road and we had, uh, Larry McRae, a poison spider and those guys that saw us running around with cameras and we met up with them, but that was our first event that we filmed. But interesting enough, almost all the footage from that actually got lost. And so we, <laughs> we, uh, we filmed and then got home and didn't have backups or something and boom, it was gone. But, uh, but then the next one after that was 2011's King of the Hammers was kind of the first big video that we were able to put out. Okay. And that makes sense because the, the, what is winter fest now or whatever it is, um, there in St. George hurricane, it is, uh, or sand hollow, I should say it actually yeah. has a, a name now. Um, right. it was, uh, that's a January event. And then yep. KOH is of course, February event. And then we yep. rock doesn't get started until March. Right. So that, that, that absolutely makes sense. And what was that like going down to that KOH? That was 2011, correct? Yes. And so, you know, I, you know, I was, though we'd grown up, you know, bombing around the hills and doing a little off-roading that the idea of extreme off-road was still very new to me. And so uh, I was talking with John Jacobs. We're like, where should we go? And he's like, dude, we should go down to King of the Hammers. And I'm like, King of the who? What? Okay. And so we, we jumped in uh, this worn out old RV that, uh, that John had picked up for a thousand bucks and we piled <laughs> our gear in there and we drove out into the desert and I couldn't believe Hammertown. You know, it's grown a lot since then, but even back then it was like there's just this mass of off-road buggies and tents and campers. And I just, it was just mind blowing to be able to see that kind of energy and that kind of horsepower all around you all the time. It was really, it, you know, we talk about adrenaline that it really got me pumping. Awesome. And what was, what were some of the storylines that you you picked up from there? What some of some of the big things that really jumped out to me were were how much people were just so passionate about off road that there was one guy we interviewed. He was he's like, I just mortgaged my house to build this thing so I could be out here. Yeah, I, you know, I, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that did that. <laughs> you know, it was, and, it, and I'm like, whoa, that's mind blowing. But but and then and then to see the level of fabrication that these guys were into, that they're building their own cars that were capable of that kind of performance and could take that kind of a beating. You know, that was, that was really exciting to, to see. Cause you, you know, that's something that you would see in a magazine or you would see, you know, on a, on a show or something far away and it, it felt so removed and all of a sudden to be there and, and to see it and touch it and feel it that tangible was really, really in, insane for me. And that was, that was some of the stuff that I brought away. And then too, the, the other thing was, was the community of, of off-road that, that these were just people who were close to each other and connected to each other and cared for each other. And that's a theme that, that we kept all the way through crawl zone is just the community was so awesome and so personable. And so everybody took care of everybody. And, and that made a big impression on me on, on that first event. And who were some of the people that you featured in that first, that first uh, KOH? Well, probably um, being new, most of the people I didn't know, but we, uh, Shannon Campbell was king that year. I believe he won. And so we, we got to interview him. Uh, We hung out with Charlene Bauer quite a bit and, uh, and talked to her. And then other, otherwise it was just a whole bunch of people. I'm like, I don't even know who these people are, but I just got to talk to them. We just went down the line and, and talk to a bunch of great racers. And how many how many uh, KOHs did you did you guys film or do shows about? Oh gosh, we did the first. I've kind of lost lost track. The first three or four for sure, and then we kind of, I think we skipped one and then came back. Um, and and part of that cr- crawl zone, you know, it it was there and then we ran out of money. And so we took a year off and then we came back and, you know, and, th- and even in those times, there were a few that we'd hit every year, but um, you know, 
because crawl zone, it was something we we're trying to get off the ground, but at the same time it was a side gig. So sometimes we had to take a break. Right. But, uh, I think we were out there three or four years, but, but when we were out there for that first one, um, the interesting thing was, is that it, it wasn't the media spectacle that it became or that it is today. Right. Right. Um, there were a handful of photographers all over and then a couple of video guys, we were the biggest deal and we hadn't even start. We we're just starting. Right. And so we had the biggest cameras running around. And so the last King of the Hammers we went to, we walked up and we're like, oh, we need to get our, our media credentials. We forgot to put our put our request in early. And they're like, oh, we know you guys. You've been here from the beginning. Come on in. And so it was really kind of cool to know that we were, you know, kind of help, helping build the industry even from those early days. Right. That's that's awesome. And uh, the yeah, the media now down there is – absolutely insane yeah because that's how we we go there now is to represent the magazine for low but right. it's uh in fact the last couple of years i've sent photographers and writers instead of going to myself because it's become for me it's become too much as a zoo i don't even like you know mid mid-sized towns you know anything over fifteen thousand, <laughs> and i'm feeling cramped so, right. you know, and, and obviously there's more than that there at Hammertown. So, you know, it becomes the wild west out there, but you know, it's uh they've done a really good job of blowing that up media wise internationally too. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So then what, um, with crawl zone, you know, I, I know you said you, you, you ran out of money and then have to take some time off and get back to it. Cause you know, your real gigs are what ultimately pay the price to, to play and to, and to do the things that you want to do. Um, what was, give me an idea of what kind of costs were involved, say per episode. Well, early on when we were just running shoestring, when we just calculated, here's the gas to get there and the room to stay there and some food to eat. Um, and, and not to make any money off of just, just to get there. We we're probably looking around $2,000 to, of hard cost. And then the rest of it was, you know, whatever my time was worth to edit the videos or do the graphics or, you know, do the social media stuff that, you know, I, I didn't get paid for cause I was just doing it for fun. Right. Um, but, but that was, that was kind of the minimum cost of not making any money. Just, you know, here's what it cost to hop in my, and that was just me hopping in like a little sedan. I wasn't even showing up in a Jeep or anything. I was just showing up in something that fuel like, there cheap. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And, and so, yeah, so we kept it cheap. And so who were some of your marketing partners with CrawlZone? Um, early on, like I, I mentioned, um, early on we had Poison Spider. We had uh, Bond at uh, uh, Rebel Off-Road. Um, gosh, later on we had uh, BF Goodrich. We had Nitro Gear and Axle. We had uh, uh, Christine over at Lift Off-Road. Um, Let's see, uh, Adam's drive shaft um, was a good good partner with us, um, and and quite a few. Oh, TNT Customs, another another big one that was a okay. big supporter of us, um, and 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 a lot of companies that were just you know good would always give us a good shout out and whatnot. We really always appreciated that. But those were the ones that made sure that we could get on the trail and and paid for our meals and and paid for us to show up. Right. So with. Uh... It was it was you. I, I remember when you, the first event you came to for us, um, we did an interview together, and I don't remember if John was running the camera or somebody else was, and you were doing the interviews. Um, but it was you made it really easy. Well, thank you. Yeah, we tried to definitely do it easy. Yeah, when we first started, my my younger brother um, helped out a lot, and I think it was John that actually did the interview with you. And. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, so he'd have done that. But then um, later on, it just became mostly me and John running around. And, and I would try to be behind the camera and film him and put myself in front of the camera whenever I could. Try to make a show out of it. Awesome. And what was the the length of show that you shot for each time? Did you have like a set that, you know, you want 28 minutes or you, whatever? Well, our early our early videos, the goal was to try to shoot for like a thirty minute, like a twenty two minute episode, right? Like you'd see on a regular TV show. Right. But uh, sometimes we're like, I, you know, trying to figure out how to make that work and and whatnot. We are, the early ones are probably closer to fifteen minutes, 
but then by the time I was done, they were probably the later ones were probably 30 to 40 minutes long. Okay. And what were some of the events that you did besides, um, we rock and, and, uh, KOH. Well, the, the cool thing about off-road events is they happen all over the country. So we were able to go from the Big Bear Forest Fest in uh, in California all the way to Jeep Beach in Florida. We uh, hit the uh, Rocktober Fest with TNT Customs in uh, the Dakotas. Um, but mo- for the most part, we stayed close to the West, again, because of cost and whatnot. And so we did, you know, we stuck around Trail Hero. We stuck around with uh, the Water 4x4 Jamboree and... I think those are kind of the big ones. Are you still producing any shows? Well, you know, that's a really good question. Since COVID hit, um, no, we didn't really, really didn't get out too much. And that was about the same time my Jeep broke. And so it really didn't make a lot of sense to go out. Um, but And then during that time, um, I picked up a new gig where I'm the studio director for a new animation studio. And that's taken a lot of time over the last year and a half. But... My Jeep's just about on the road, and we've been talking with some people about getting back out, cool, and starting to do some more videos. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to potentially be picking up here pretty soon. And where do you where do you reside at now? I'm in northern Utah, just north of Salt Lake, in a town called Layton. Okay, and that's where that's where we are home based out of now. And then John, he's still down in in Kanab. Right. You know, there's a there's so much wheeling going on down in Sand Hollow. That, you know, if you get back into it, going out there and, and getting, you know, those those really hardcore guys, a lot of them are competitors, but there's a lot of, you know, rock crawling competitors that we rock. Right. The, there's so many people down there that are just, you know, coming in from all over the United States to wheel there now. It's kind of like what Moab used to be, but right. it's it's like endless down there. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I I love that area down there, but it is but it has changed. From when we first started filming, um, you know, being close to close to home down there, that was one of our favorite favorite places to go and film, and and a lot of the trails, you know, we we did the videos on, and so every every time we go do an event, we'd take on you know three or four different trails and do a video about it, and so a lot of people that go to wheel down there, you know, kind of knows early on from, from our videos, but it's changed a lot to where it's almost too busy for me most of the time. And so I try to find when there's not a whole lot going on down there to go wheeling because it, <laughs> it, it is, it's really a lot of, a lot of buggies out there. Yeah. I, I can remember my first time down there. It wasn't even called sand hollow. It was just the hurricane dunes. And yeah. you know, that was back in the late nineties, 90. Oh, right. 96 through 99 or somewhere around there, 97 to 2000. And then I moved out of Cedar, but right. we, uh, we used to go down there with the clubs, um, rebel for rebel four wheel drive club out of, um, out of St. George and then the color country four wheelers, which was the club that I was involved with heavily in Cedar city. And right. it was all about the sand you know, right. we had the rocks of Cedar City that everybody went to play on. We didn't even, we didn't even, I don't remember looking at the rocks down there going, oh, I got to drive all this stuff. It, when we went down there, it was all about the sand because there was no right. sand like that up in Cedar. That's interesting. That's really interesting because, yeah, things have definitely changed. I remember hearing the stories of the of the sand buggies and whatnot running out there. But, yeah, by the time we came on, it was all about the rocks. And it, but even then it was, it was a handful of good trails, but they were, they were newer trails. They had just been blazed. And that's the cool thing about Sand Hollow is that we've been able to go in different groups and actually blaze cool trails. But the number of trails that are down there are, there's a lot more since we started, you know? And so that's, that's cool that there's more places to go, but again, it's drawn a lot of attention and, right. And it's become the new Mecca. Yeah, it has. And, and being that you can, you can drive anywhere. It's not like you're stuck in a 10 foot wide or 20 foot wide trail. Um, you know, they still, they still want people to, uh, you know, to, to carry the, the tread lightly mantra with you, but, uh, you know, they're, they're not, 
there's not like specific areas you can't go into. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know how many acres are, say 80, 80,000 or something like that. Right. What it is. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And well, and, and that is the cool thing, you know, obviously, you know, we want to take care of our, of our trails and our land and whatnot, but yeah, to not be scared that if you get off the trail to two feet that, you know, somebody's going to come and tattle on you is really, really nice to, to know that you just go out there and will and have a good time. Right. And then, you know, the community there, Hurricane is really, um, really backed all of that happening. Um, where, you know, like with Moab now, the the political climate there is, you know, turning almost anti-motorized recreation, which is a shame because it is an iconic place as well. Absolutely. Well, and that it, that off-road made Moab. You know, all those trails that everybody likes to, to go and the fact that anybody even knows to go out there to ride a bike or to go hike or any of that is because of off-roaders. You know, guys that went out there and blazed those original trails allowed us to be able to go and actually see what a beautiful place it was. True. And so it is a shame that it's being locked up and the thing that made it amazing is is being locked out. Yeah, and they're 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 just trying to close everything down now. It's uh it's a shame. It really is. I, I hate to see you know, losing any opportunity to recreate um, in any way. And it really drives me nuts when people that, that use the outdoors to recreate try to try to keep it to themselves and lock others out. It's just, it's insane. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I wouldn't want, you know, off-roaders to do the same, you know, to hikers or, or, or cyclists either. You know, I, I, I think that we have the opportunity to, to truly share that and to build our community together. I agree. I agree. So besides, uh, besides just like the, the crawling and, and going to that, you know, the KOH and stuff, did you guys do any other type of, uh, of shows besides, you know, the, the extreme off-road side of it? Um, as far as crawl zone, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. We, we made sure that we were getting a balanced, um, a balanced look at things. Um, you know, obviously the, the hardcore buggy market, particularly at that time was a fairly niche market. And so in order to, to reach a bigger market, we did, you know, kind of focus on kind of the, the Jeeps and, you know, going to places like Jeep beach where it's, there's no crawling at all. There's not even rocks out there. You know, they had to make a man-made course in the middle of the Daytona speedway and, and just drive along the beach and do some, you know, some lighter things like that. Um, and then we we actually did a lot of a lot of stuff for a lot of the brands that we worked with. We did a lot of you know behind the scenes commercials or stuff for them, and produced a lot of content for for those guys. Cool. Um, so yeah, we tried to do a little bit from mild to wild, as they say. Okay, so now let's let's jump back in and figure out how you got to that point, and you know to the filming and all that kind of stuff. And you'd mentioned that the job you're doing now, so. When you're living down in Kanab and, you know, it was a, a place where a lot of movies were filmed or at least nearby there were filmed, you know, that big Red Rock area yep. and everything, what drove you into that kind of media? Well, you know, my, at, at the, I, having grown up in Southern, it, let me back up a little bit there. Um, having grown up in Kanab, obviously we're all into outdoors and adventure, right? It's, it's the great hiking every day after school. I go, I go hike a little bit and come home all summer long. I was always up hiking when I got old enough to drive, we would take the old truck and go bombing around the dirt roads and, and whatnot. I got, you know, my fair share of being stuck and having somebody come pull me out because I went someplace I shouldn't have. But, um, and so, you know, just grew up just kind of with that kind of adventure um, desire to get out there with just, just the gorgeous world that we have out there. And then on top of that, um, yeah, the, the ideas of missing out on little Hollywood that, you know, my mom and my dad would talk about, Oh yeah, we used to see John Wayne or we'd see the rat pack or we'd see, you know, all these different stars that would be in town while they were filming. And I really, I don't know if I, begrudged but i was a little jealous that i didn't get to participate in that and um in high school i got into theater and acting and performing and used to do summer stock theater we used to do the melodramas at the old barn playhouse and and so i i, I grew up with a with a, a flair for adventure but also a, a 
a taste to be an entertainer and, and always wanted to be, you know, being other characters or pretending I was somebody else. And then I was, um, as I got older, went to college. Um, that's when I got into animation and kind of took me for a little bit completely away from everything that, that, uh, I thought I was into. And then while I was studying that, I was also studying independent film and was trying to be a filmmaker as well. And so I collected some cameras and started going around making things. And, and one of the things that, that when John called me up, I was actually working on a Western. I was like, I'm going to do this Western series because, you know, growing up with the old Westerns. Right. And that's when, and that's when John called me up and he's like, Hey, I know you got this equipment. Let's do something. And my initial thought was, um, this sounds really cool. I could go in and I could fail at crawl zone, but it would teach me how to make films. Right. And so I looked at crawl zone as an opportunity to experiment and to learn as an educational opportunity for myself at, at the onset. And then when I got in there and I started meeting the people and I started getting that adrenaline rush of being around all those Epic machines, then, uh, things changed and turned into a 10 year run. That's, that's awesome. That's, uh, get bit by that bug. You know, you you had the taste outdoors living there. Um, I can't imagine, you know, I grew up in a, in a city, you know, just on the peninsula, just South of San Francisco, you know, we had San Francisco international there and we had, we had some, some wilder areas, you know, the County parks and, and the redwoods, the coastal redwoods there and everything. And, right. you know, we did the boy, I did the boy scout thing and, you know, became an Eagle scout and did a lot of backpacking in the Sierras and that kind of stuff, but not to where, you know, you would walk out to the edge of your town and you'd be, you know, what I would consider almost wilderness. And oh yeah. That must've been, that must've been awesome. Oh, it was. Yeah. Cause Kanab at the time, I think the population was maybe 3000. And so it was just tiny and, and it would blow up in the summers cause it was, you know, in the middle of Bryce, Zion, the grand Canyon and all the parks. And so people, you know, we would, there were a lot of tourists that would, would come. And so I had a very eclectic youth because I, you know, bump into people from all around the world. But then, like you say, at the same time, I could walk five minutes and be up a, a red cliff somewhere. And so it it really was a magical time to be a kid. And what was what was school like? It was I would imagine if there's only three thousand or so people in town, the school was fairly small. Although it is Utah, families are a little bit bigger. <laughs> um, so what was what was that like? Well, we were the largest graduating class, and we had I think eighty five kids in our total graduating class. And so the whole high school, a couple hundred kids and everybody knew everybody, everybody, you know, was, you know, a, a neighbor of a neighbor and, you know, and you got to know everybody and which had its pros and cons, you know, cause you couldn't, couldn't hide if you were out being a, a little bit of a hoodlum or something. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> would know who you were and it would get back to your mom, but I guess kept us, kept us good. Well, I lived in a town of 50,000. And- oh gosh. I don't think I could do anything in that town without my parents finding out. So oh, really? I get it. <laughs> I can't imagine. If I, I'd have been in so much trouble if I'd have been in a smaller town. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> at least there we could, you know, if once we got over the border of our town and into the other cities, you know, we were kind of anonymous at that point. Right. Where you guys, you know, you had Fedonia, but then it, the next closest thing is what, Page or Colorado city. So, you know, yeah, probably Colorado city, but, but we, you know, you never stopped in Colorado city because they were kind of a recluse little town. So it was St. George or page, you know, to, to get out of there. There's a couple smaller towns up North of us, Glendale and Orderville. Very small. Yes. Yeah. Tinier than us. Yeah. So once you get out of high school, well, in high school, what kind of things besides the community theater and probably high school theater, that kind of stuff. Yep. What else did you, what else, you know, was there anything else that you were into? Well, yeah, we, we were, 
if you could be on the wrong side of the tracks in a small town like that, that was me. I lived in this, I grew up in this tiny little rundown trailer court and, you know, our, our mobile home, the roof was collapsing in. It was, it was a Jeff Foxworthy skid. If you live in a house that's mobile surrounded by a dozen cars that aren't, that was, that was me growing up. And, uh, and so, and so I was always tinkering on old cars. And so that's one thing that, that I've, that I've always loved to just tinkering on old cars and whatnot. And, and, and I've passed that on to my son now as we're out wor- working on the YJ and he's got him a, a little old Fiero and a few things that he's torn apart. And so old cars and, and just tinkering around on stuff has always been something that we were really into. And then through the, through the theater and, and, and kind of where we lived and whatnot, one of the things we, there were some gunfighter troops, the old, the old cowboy quick draw. And so I was part of that as well. Both John and I both did that where we would go around and put on little shoot 'em up shows for the tourists and whatnot. I actually did the same thing did here, you? here in Placerville, El Dorado County, um, which is between Sacramento and South Lake Tahoe. Yeah. We had a, I called it an outdoor theatrical group. Um, huh? And we did county fairs and, you know, city days. And we did the um, like Portola railroad days, things like that. And we would do skits. We had a, a gallows, um, you know, and a harness and we, you know, uh-huh. we do all this practicing and everything. And, uh, yeah, I did, I was fast draw, um, nice. do gunfights in the street, you know, and yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun time. It really was. Well, shoot, we're going to have to go strap on our six shooters and go out and put on a show then. <laughs> I don't have mine anymore, my Colt Peacemaker. <laughs> I don't have it. Wish I did. Well, we can fix that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, we did. In fact, one time um, we were down in the valley, Sacramento Valley area, in actually Jackson, California, and we were doing the uh, Mountain Man Days or something like that, and they had asked us to come in, and we were – putting on shows and it was really hot. It was summertime. And I think I actually got heat exhaustion that day to the point where I don't remember the last three hours that we were doing things. I just, I had to sit them out. Um, but but wearing all the, all the, the clothing and, you know, the, the duster jacket and hat and everything. And just, it got to be, you know, I overheated, didn't get enough water, and uh, too much time standing on the hot pavement in the middle of the yep. streets. Yep. Yeah, I've been there, been there and done that. Yeah, I've I've worn myself out a few times, but I was still quite, I was still quite young. I was just right out of high school for a few years there, and, and being the young buck, they always made me be the guy who started the problem and got shot first. Right, <laughs> and so then I would have to lay lay in the street for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I did get to rob a train one time. Oh, did you? Yeah, in the Portola Railroad days. Um, in fact, the train had, uh, I want to say it's Union Pacific, but it may not be. It, anyway, it was the, like the president of the of the train line was there. The, the actor, Michael Gross, who was the father of Michael J. Fox on the show that he was in. Um, oh, yeah. Family, I forget. Family Ties? Family, family ties, ties, I think it was, or something yeah. like that. And so he was the, like the master of ceremonies and stuff. And he came, we, we did a show and then he came up to us and kind of hung with us the whole rest of the day. And we had lunch with him and then he was on the train when we robbed it. And, uh, nobody knew that we were going to rob the train except for the engineer and the people that were putting on the event. So they had all these big wigs from the, from the railroad on the train when we jumped on these old passenger cars and, uh, and pulled off the robbery. It was hilarious. Oh my gosh. I mean, they were like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And, you know, we made sure that, okay, it's warm out, make sure the windows are down, you know, are open. Um, we used, uh, we used really light loads so that we could do kind of a gunfight on the, you know, in part of the the train and had people so right. that they were not all right there around, right up against us as well. You know, right. we had it kind of staged, but it was uh, it was fun. I got to say, I got to rob a train. That's rad. 
Yeah, I can't say I've robbed a train yet. I'm going to have to put that on my bucket list. <laughs> you should do it with the script like that, though, so that you don't end up in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah. So then um, after your time in Kanab, how did you uh, – what happened there? You, college? Yeah. So, well, I being LDS, I, I went on a mission. I spent two years in, in Kenya. And Kenya, hanging wow. out with lions and baboons and the whole bit. Um, and then uh, came home, went to Southern Utah University, and that's, I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I, I studied theater and um, advertising. I thought, oh, that's kind of artistic or something, and realized that's not what I wanted to do. But at the time, I came across a little 3D program that taught me some animation. I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do. I could make all my stories and all the ideas in my head come to life. And so I went out to San Francisco, spent five years out there going to the Academy of Art University. And then from there, couldn't find a job. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Spent a year trying to figure out how to be an animator. Finally found a job working for a game company here in uh, the Salt Lake area. And we created a game called Animal Jam, which is huge for kids all around the world. And worked there for 17 years is my main my main gig. And then, uh, just in this last, what, about a year and a half ago, um, had an opportunity to work with another YouTuber, um, Sean Duras. He wanted to start an animation studio. And so I jumped over with him and grew from, I think he had like three artists that he had started with. And then, uh, now we're over 30 people that were creating cartoons for his YouTube channel. Wow. That's awesome. So that a, a YouTube channel that can keep 30 people employed? Yeah, and that's one of his companies. He's actually got a dozen companies. I, okay. I, I can't even keep track. And uh, But yeah, from that, from he's got his Sean Durst channel, and then he's got a channel with his family called A for Adley. And it's just him and his, and his family. They just play pretend. And yeah, from those two channels, they're able to support – I think the, the the whole space station ecosystem is because that's the name of the company, Space Station or Space Station Animation. But that whole ecosystem is well over 150 people. Wow! And it's and it's crazy. So yeah, it's it's pretty intense. I'm gonna have to take a look at that. I I don't spend much time on YouTube. I, in fact, I would say I spend maybe three or four minutes a week at the most. And right. that's typically when somebody posts something of somebody I know. So I go watch, you know, the short 30, 40 second video, maybe two right. minutes video type thing. Um, I haven't even w watched stuff, you know, most of the stuff that's on there on, you know, people put up on rock crawling and stuff, but right. uh, it's, uh, that's amazing that, that something like that can happen. Yeah. And so, and so that's where, you know, and so part of one of the other businesses that they have is actually a kind of a, uh, it's a company that helps other creators be able to make connections with businesses. And so we'll pair businesses with creators that can have a symbiotic relationship to be able to help creators, to be able to, to make money and be able to help businesses be able to increase their reach. Okay. So, so almost a, a marketing firm. Yep. Yep. Nice. Nice. And okay. So, and so anyway, that's where, you know, so that's what I've done to stepping away from crawl zone for a little bit, you know, with the pandemic and everything, I, you know, wasn't getting out. And so, um, animation kind of went on and then this opportunity came up and that's, that's kind of taken my whole, my whole focus for the last year and a half. But, uh, over the last little bit, I've noticed that I've been sitting at a desk too much and my arms are starting to go numb. And so my goal this next year is to get back out on the trail and, I don't know how to be on the trail without a camera, so I assume that there'll be some videos starting to show up. Excellent. Well, let me know when that happens so I can uh, can share them and help help that in any way I can. I appreciate that. Yeah. So then, you you mentioned your your son and family. Um, talk about them a little bit. Yeah. So you know, being being an entertainer, that just kind of bled into the family. My uh, my oldest daughter, she got into theater and performing and my son, he came on every adventure with us because, you know, who's going to go on an adventure without their kid. And so, um, 
but they're all growing up now. My oldest is, gosh, she's 22, 21. I don't know. Anyway, she's married and moved on. And uh, Matt just graduated from high school this last year and he's getting into mechanics and building stuff. And he and I've been working on the YJ trying to get it ready to get back out on the trail. And then my youngest daughter, she's still in getting ready to go into high school and she's uh, an artist like her dad. So she's planning to be an animator and we, she goes by adventure girl. When we go out on the trail, she helps me film some stuff. Excellent. And so you your kids are pretty well spaced. Yeah, we didn't want to overdo it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want a basketball team or a football team, huh? No, we wanted to make sure we didn't kill the first one before the second one came around. <laughs> make sure we knew what we were doing. <laughs> That's good. And how long have you been married? Oh, gosh, over 25 years, 26 years, almost 26 years, I think. Nice. Nice. And uh, what is on the horizon, you think? Well, you know, that's, that's a very good question. My, you know, obviously, I, you know, being, you know, running an animation studio takes a lot. And so that's, you know, something that's been a passion of mine for a long time. So that'll, that'll keep going. But, but, uh, John and I have talked quite a bit over the last little bit of what we'd like to do with, with crawl zone. The thing that really started hurting crawl zone at the end is that we had designed it as a, a news magazine, but with YouTube and with cell phones, that it wasn't very long before we realized that by the time we got a really polished video done, that the news was old, right? Everybody had already shared their video from their phone um, and everybody was already looking towards the next thing. And we just weren't fast enough at the level of production that we were trying to put into it. Right. And, and so that really, I mean, it's really need to rethink what kind of a show we're doing. And so I think, you know, over this next year, we're going to play around with, with just more family adventure, kind of YouTube style videos that, that seem to do well, but, uh, but to be able to be a little bit more authentic rather than going and trying to tell the news of the event or getting an interview of somebody like we've done in the past, it'll be a lot more of an authentic experience of just going out wheeling and, and having a good time. And so that's, that's the plan for this next year, I think. I think that's that's really really popular. I I became really aware of people trying to or people following what we were doing when I got back from Japan. Uh-huh. Because I we were posting videos, we were posting a lot of photos and we went to SEMA and some business owners that I had no idea were following me on Facebook were like or Instagram, it was like, wow, you know, really enjoy watching what you guys do. You know, you're, you're living the life you're doing, right? you know, and I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't think of that. I mean, I was doing, putting, posting stuff so that I would have the memories and, you know, that some, some of my closest friends would maybe see what we were doing and understood where we were at or family or something. And I didn't realize that just acquaintances or people that I'd never met would actually be following what we were doing. And it was because we were, we were doing something that they didn't get a chance to do. And, you know, off-road is what created that for us. I mean, we went to Australia, it was there for We Rock Australia. We went to Japan, it was because of We Rock Japan in an event. And so it's, you know, when we went to Costa Rica, that was just a friend invent- inviting us down. But then I got to wheel down there, right. you know, and and so, you know, we try to do that everywhere we go. We, when we went to the Big Island of Hawaii, we hooked up with the local club there and one of the guys that was in the club and has a business there. And, you know, he took us around all around the Big Island to places that they wheel. So it's nice. it's been it's been a it's been a great ride doing that. People wanting to experience, you know, most a lot of people want to experience it for, you know, firsthand, be there themselves. And the younger generation are doing that. But the, the group that like my age or even, you know, from say 50 up that hasn't had the ability to travel, they want to see what other people are doing. Right. And I think that's a, I think that's a good, you know, people want to share your experiences. 
I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, that's what that's what we've kind of noticed too is that is that having that authentic come al- come along, come hang out with us and, and and we'll show you what we're doing and and it almost makes it feel like they're there with you. And and that's definitely what we want to do is is create more of an experience for people to to enjoy like you say who can't get out or who may would like to get out but don't don't know how to get in you know don't want to, don't know what that bar of entry is and whatnot or and to be able to show, hey, that's not, it, it's not so hard. We can go out, we can wheel, we can have a good time, and and bond together. Right, and that's one of that's kind of the next step for us. Um, is that now that we're pulling back from having to be day to day at the events, the competitive events, it's giving us the opportunity to do more social stuff. And so, one of the things that that I want to do is put on social runs that will take people on experiences and give them that experience of being out with others. And uh, so I'll need to talk to you about that because I think we can work together on some of that and uh, maybe, you know, be able that, to create actually, contact for content for both of us. Right. No, actually that's a good, that I, I would love to work with you on something like that because it's something that we've actually talked about as well, trying to figure out how to, how to make the adventures, not just, going to cover an event or just a couple of us wheeling, but yeah, doing something where you're providing an experience for whoever wants to come along. Right. Like you're saying. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's chat. I would love to see if there's an opportunity there. Yep. And that's, uh, you know, people want to go, they want those experiences. They want, they want to do that, but so many of them have never done anything like that. They don't, they don't necessarily want to do it alone. Right. You know, they want somebody to take them that can show them the ropes of of how to travel like that. Right. Um, right. You know, it's it's amazing how many different runs and and adventures that people can experience that are out there and it's all about getting those personal experiences. Exactly. Exactly. No, yeah, we're on the same brainwave there. Cuz cool. yeah, that's that's one thing that 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 as we were kind of talking through those things that we thought too, we're like, you know what, there's, there's, there's so much about this community. That's amazing that we just wanted everybody else to participate. And we knew that there was people out there that would want to come with us if we went wheeling somewhere or whatnot. Um, but you know, for me, the logistics of it, you know, was something that kind of scared me a little bit, but. Yeah. I see. We'll I'm, see. I'm used to that kind of stuff. So. Right. That's where, you know, I, I've, I've made mention to some people that what the kind of things that I want to do and those everybody that I've mentioned it to is like, yeah, I'm in. When do we start? Right. I want to go. You know, what's it going to take? And uh, you know, it right now they're going to be based around the Raptor pickups. Um, oh, right. But eventually, um, when I get my the other Jeep done that I'm in the process of, then we'll do more more of the hardcore, not hardcore, but more of the Jeep lifestyle instead of yeah. the Raptor truck type lifestyle events. And uh, I think that it's going to be, I think it'll be fun. You know, we provide a little history, provide a little geography lessons, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, teach people along the way, you know, not only give them the experiences, but maybe, you know, teach them in other ways as well. Absolutely. No, I think you're right on with that because, you know, even, even with crawl zone, it it was so fun the way we were doing it, but I got tired of just, of just filming a tire turning and putting some music to it. You know, I wanted it to have a lot more substance and like you're saying, have a little bit of story, have a, have a purpose, have a destination in mind and be able to, to really get to know the people that are, that are on the trail with you, you know, so you kind of, you know, find out their stories and, and whatnot. And so I, th- I think the things you're talking about really resonate with me that, that that's what I, that's what I, those are the stories I want to tell anyway. Right. Cool. Sounds great. And, uh, so your, your son, he's, uh, he's got a Fiero that he's working on as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got a little Fiero. He's rebuilt the motor in it and redone the interior and doing all kinds of work on it. Make sure he mounts a couple of fire extinguishers in there. <laughs> Those, there's a reason they call them Fieros. <laughs> I will let him know. <laughs> I don't think that um, that I think it was Pontiac. I don't think Pontiac yep. actually uh, 
intended that, but they they were one of those cars that would you'd just be driving down the road and all of a sudden you'd look back and you're on fire. <laughs> yeah, and, we've uh, heard we've heard the stories. <laughs> okay, so make sure he carries some fire extinguishers. <laughs> yeah, there were there were some actual things. I can't remember exactly what it was, but but Matt figured it out that there was something that was causing that, and he made sure that that was that was rectified. Good, good. I, I think it was heat shielding and some of the yeah the cooling lines and stuff. You know, whether it was uh, you know transmission or or steering lines, that kind of thing. So, well, awesome. Um, so talk about talk about John Jacobs for a little bit. He's a he's well, John, quite the character. He's an interesting fellow, and you know, and he's the one that actually gave Crawl Zone legitimacy because he was part of a rock crawling competition team. You know, I was just a camera guy. You know, I was there to to be on camera and, and to be famous or whatever. You know, narcissistic reason I showed up, but <laughs> but 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 he was legit, right? They were, you know, he and Vic Bunnis, you know, they competed often came home with trophies often they've got walls of trophies that they brought home from we rock and and but as a we met like i, I think i'd mentioned earlier ago but we've been friends for years and years and and he wanted to you know he was the catalyst of crawl zone he said hey i got the idea let's do this but uh but it's interesting even though he was in all the videos but he was usually spotting or he was doing one thing or another and and so he wasn't really recognized early on, right. but everybody would come up and be like, Oh, Oh, you're the crawl zone guy to me. And he'd be like, Hey, do you recognize me? And they're like, um, no. <laughs> and so we started making this joke that he's just nobody. Oh, he's just nobody. And, and so the nickname kind of stuck. And so later on that became kind of his moniker that'd be like, Oh, Hey, we're out here on the trail with nobody. Who spotted you up that hill? Nobody who helped you today. Nobody. <laughs> so it just kind of became this running joke that, and, and but as soon as we gave, that personality um, and added that to the show, then all of a sudden, you know, he, he's, he's definitely the, the more known of the duo and, and it just added a lot of fun to what we were doing, but, but he really is just one of the givingest people that you'll ever meet. If there's anybody stuck on a trail, we'll stop and we won't go home until, until it's done. And he'll be right underneath there fixing whatever needs to be fixed. And we'll give, we'll give a shirt off his back to be there for you. And I'm just really glad that he's my buddy. And you said you guys were friends from like five years old or fifth grade or something? From the, from the fifth grade, yeah. He used to live in Fredonia, which is just a little tiny spot in a road town next to Kanab. And so he moved up to Kanab when he was in the fifth grade, and, and we just kind of hit it off. We were kind of the same socioeconomic level of poor and and both liked old cars and fixing things and and we were both into gunfighting and theater and just all the same things. And so we just hit it off really well and have always been friends have stayed friends. And, and our families are still really close. Even now they're probably as, as close as brothers, right. And, you know, our families hang out and our kids feel like they're cousins. And, and so it's, it's been really awesome to be able to, and I really think that was probably the best thing about crawl zone is being able to get out on the trail, not only just to meet other people, but just the bond that a couple of buddies can have spending that kind of time together doing what they love. Right. And, and that is, that's off road. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what the friendships that have come out of off road that if one of the things that we've always, we've always tried to do is to learn about, the drivers and the teams that are out there com- coming out to us because there's so many ways that we can hook people together just yeah. because of what they do or what they need. And it could be across the country. You know, we've, we've had some friends that had a, they lived in Southern California. They had a house in, in Colorado Springs and they were unhappy with their, um, real estate management company that was because it was a rental that they had until they were going to retire. And they were like, man, we really got to find somebody for this. And Shelly's like, really? Because I have a friend that does this. Here's the name and number. And next thing you know, you know, they were working together and, and became friends. And it's just, it's really great just seeing all that kind of stuff happen and come together when, when it never would have. Right. And being a help, help, 
and being able to help facilitate that is is what I what I've always strived for. Absolutely, and 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 really, over the last couple of years, that's what I've missed the most of you know, not getting out there. Cause then I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. You got a Jeep, you can go wheeling or whatever. But to think of doing that alone, it, you know, it's, it's going and being with people and, and making new friends and taking care of one another. That's the thing that I, that I missed the most. And I'm looking forward to getting back into over this next year. Yeah. I was just sitting up at a little place upside outside of Georgetown called uncle Tom's cabin. It's an old like way station. And they've got a beer bar there, and it's a campground. And I was sitting there talking to the guy that was running the bar at the time, a friend of mine that I've done an interview with, Rance. And some people came in, two Jeeps, four people, husbands and wives. And they sit down, and they were asking about, like, more of the history. And Rance goes, oh, you ought to listen to this to this podcast, um, Conversations with Big Rich, because, you know, Rich is sitting, Big Rich is sitting right here. And, you know, I did a whole thing on, you know, Uncle Tom's Cabin with him. And they were like, wait a second, you're Big Rich? And I said, yeah. And the lady had picked up one of the magazines and I said, yeah, the magazine's mine as well. And she goes, oh my God, I know, we know your son. And I said, you do? Yeah, we were at Trail Hero. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> you know, just a small world. It really you know? is. And they were, they were, you know, they're local to this area, but it's not somebody I'd ever met before. Um, you know, they live like 25 miles away or something like that up the mountain. But, you know, we just met out in the middle of nowhere at a little, you know, old way station that, uh, you know, and it was because of wheeling. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing. You, you you see a Jeep pull up and you immediately have something that you know you've got an experience that you can share that, that will open up the doors to get to meet new people. And that's one of the things I do. I carry I carry magazines in the truck or in the Jeep, depending on what we're driving. Right. Pr- primarily, it's been the Jeep or the truck the last couple of years. The, the Jeep's right. been relegated to just off-road until we get the V8 Jeep fit. Um, built but we've uh i carry magazines and every time i see a jeep that has like a window down or they it's during the summer and they don't have a top on or something like uh-huh. that i'll throw a magazine on the seat nice you know i know they come out of the store or wherever that's at and they're like the hell did this come from you know? <laughs> <laughs> but gorilla marketing i guess <laughs> yeah for sure for sure well you got to get it out there one way but at the same time you know it's something that they're going to appreciate because Yep. You know who they are to some extent because of, you know, those telltale signs. Yeah, if it's a, if it's bone stock, you know, street tires on it, I don't bother. Right. Um, because that means the person is just driving it because it's an SUV. If it's if they've got larger tires on it or any kind of modification, then I know, okay, there's somebody that, that wants to go wheeling if they're not already. Right. Well, great. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to talk about? Oh gosh, I think that's probably probably the the most of it there, you know, just kind of touching on, you know, kind of where it started and and where it went and where it's going and I can tell you it was just it was just a blast of a ride. I, you know, I crawl zone was fun it, in that it was never a job, I guess. It was always just for fun. But boy, I'm jonesing to get back out. Right. <laughs> I I was the same way with rock crawling. It it really it was a passion and it's still a passion. It just became became a job. Right. Or or it's not a task. It was it was something I wanted to do, but I was having you know, I just physically couldn't do what I was doing, you know, five even five years before. Right. And so, you know, getting the partner, Jake Good, out there and, and him running the day-to-day stuff and freeing us up to do other things is, is really a godsend. And, uh, you know, it's got me excited again about other aspects of off-road. So, Right on. Right on. I'll give you a call yeah. with what I, what I have, ma- um, you know, with what I have in mind on what we are going to do next. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to chat with you more about it and 
and see if, like I say, see if there's an opportunity there. All right. Sounds good. Well, Nathan, thank you for coming on and, and spending some time with us and, and talking about your history and crawl zone and your friendships. And we appreciate that. Right on. Well, thanks for, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. I'm really excited. Uh, yeah. As soon as I saw you start the podcast, you know, gosh, I don't know. When, how long have you been doing this? It's been a while now. This, we will release on Thursday, 139 episodes. Dang. So that's uh, however many, 52 weeks. So we're about two and a half years, somewhere around there. Dang. Yeah. Well, I remember when, when it, yeah, that's crazy that it's gone by that fast. Because I remember when you first started posting them up and I'm like, oh, dang, that's cool. And, you know, kind of seeing what's going on and, and, you know, I've always loved to support you guys and, and started sharing it around, but yeah, it's kind of fun to be able to, to make it on the list and, and be able to chat with you. Well, you've been on the list and I've just been trying to get everybody that's on the list cleared so I can make another list, but I've got, uh, <laughs> I started off with my list says 50 interviews and, uh, you know, I got 138. Yours, yours is 140th interview I've done. Right there are um, at least another 140 to 200 names on my list. And there's every week I keep adding more to it because like conversations with ours, like ours. Right. And so it's, uh, I don't think I'll uh, ever run out of people to interview. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know too many people and have too many experiences with too many people. I think that, uh, yeah, that's going to come in handy. Yep. Anyway, thank you, and you have a great rest of the day. All right. Thanks, Rich. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's another episode of Conversations with Big Rich. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you could do us a favor and uh, leave us a review on any podcast service that you happen to be listening on, or send us an email or a text message or a Facebook message and let me know uh, any ideas that you have or if there's anybody that you have that you would think would be a great guest, please forward the contact information to me so that we can uh, try to get them on. And always remember, live life to the fullest. Enjoying life is a must. Follow your dreams and live life with all the gusto you can. Thank you.